0: Hurt you, me, me to your bed.
1: everyone, and welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Erin Pem. And if you're a new listener, here at the podcast, what I like to do is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have in-depth conversations about sex and sexuality. And today, I have a super fun guest via Skype. But just before I get to my fantastic guest for today, I just want to point you all over to my Patreon. I'm doing a lot of fun things over there do an erotica writing, uh, which I read to you in the form of audio erotica. I have all fun uh, kink videos and kinky photo sets. And uh, most importantly, I have little 30-minute solo episodes of the podcast that I bring to you. And uh, yeah, on those, I talk about my life as a pro-dom and also my uh, personal life as a polyamorous gal. So if any of that interests you or you've just been a long-time listener and want to throw me a couple bucks in support, you can do so at patreon.com slash the bedpost show. Without further ado, I've got someone on Skype today. Uh, this has kind of been a long time in the making. Uh, I'm I've defi- I've definitely fangirling a little bit, I do have to say. <laughs> definitely have a Twitter crush on this person. Uh, and, and introducing... Adult talent and sex worker Mercy West. <laughs> Hello,
0: thank you so much for having me on.
1: Oh my gosh, it's my absolute pleasure. We uh, uh, uh we are connected through Dick, were we not? Dick Wound. Uh
0: yeah yeah I worked uh I, you know I interviewed with them for their. Uh, What's their show's name?
1: Off the Cuffs.
0: Yeah, there we go. Um, And that was really fun. I've never talked to that many people at once, and it was super cool. (laughs) Yeah, because they
1: probably had Lectual Romance in the room, uh, Mm -hmm. Minimus Maximus, and of course the infamous Uncle Dick Wound. (laughs)
0: Yes, I everyone was so great. I had such a nice time. And I'm really happy with how that interview turned out. Like it's one of my best, honestly.
1: That's amazing. I'll have to go back and listen because that that truly is one of my favorite pods. So for our listeners who who haven't um heard that episode of off the cuffs, why don't uh we talk about exactly you know what what we mean by uh, adult talent and sex worker and all the fantastic kind of Things that you do because you're kind of a, a person, a human of all trades here in the sex industry.
0: <laughs> what are all the things that you that you do? Um, well, I started I started originally when I was uh, 18. I had a friend who did um, really nice stylized BDSM photos, and uh, I just um, decided that. Uh, actually after talking with my mom and I asked her I was like hey how do you feel about my tits being on the internet and she was like oh well as long as you're okay with it and there's no reason to really worry about it and I was like oh wow. sweet, So I'm gonna do this and uh, she was a dancer in the 90s she was a stripper so okay. she understands how sex work is it wasn't like a real big shock and you know I was totally comfortable and it was someone that I was friends with so it wasn't a big deal and mm-hmm. Um, that's really, I, I mean, that's,
1: that's kind of an amazing thing right there that your mom was like, sure, honey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. She, I mean, she knew that I was going to do it either way. Like really, right. you know, I was uh, of age. It was something that was, you know, I felt totally comfortable doing that. I know that she had been a sex worker in the past, so there would really be no point in her giving me no. kind of pushback, you know, unless there was something that she was seeing that was dangerous or that was, you know, really gonna cause a problem in my life and she was like no you know I was a smart kid so I wasn't a kid I was 18 but I was smart and I knew what it meant like socially I just wasn't sure how I felt about it and how she felt about it and how I felt about the fact that my friends or my family you know whatever could come across this stuff and she's like well you know it basically you know what she said was how you feel about it is really at the end of the day what matters and that's the truth and that's honestly what I live by to this day and I I fell in absolutely fell in love fell in love with modeling and I I didn't I knew since I was topless or I was doing bondage stuff posing with other models um not necessarily doing like spreads or pink shots or anything like that but very cheeky kind of cheesecake stuff or rope bondage with pasties on stuff like that okay um I didn't really associate it with sex work necessarily, but I knew I loved it. And I don't even know if I knew the term sex work at that time, honestly. Um, I knew I knew there were strippers, I knew there were <clears throat> uh, I knew there were companions, I knew there were, you know, people that worked in boxes at sex clubs that you could pay a dollar and the curtain went up and like look at them <laughs> and then it goes down. Like I, I'd done my research. Okay. And so it wasn't anything that I was unfamiliar with, but I didn't know I didn't really put myself in that realm. And for years after after that, I, I sort of lived a straight, somewhat straight life and went to school, had a very straight um, boyfriend and was in a very abusive relationship and mm. got out of that and realized that I wanted to get back into sex work. So I started doing phone sex because I didn't want to do cam.
1: Yes, and phone sex. I just started getting into phone yeah. sex myself. I love it. What do you it's like about ready. it? Or what did you initially like about it?
0: I... Just, I liked that I didn't have to show my face because I, at the time, I was still very, very insecure about not having large breasts, not being five foot eight, not having yeah. long blonde hair, whatever it was. And um, <clears throat> so I was like, yes, I can totally do this. I can pretend to be someone else. And I actually right. pretended to be other people and use other photos that I bought off websites. Um, I didn't steal other people's photos. I bought photos that were made specifically for this purpose. Um, yeah,
1: I have a friend. Yeah, I have a friend <laughs> who's been doing sex work, uh, or pardon me, phone sex operator work for um, off and off for like eight years. And she does the same thing. She kind of has like, like three different personas. Like a mm-hmm. you know, a dominant persona, girl next door persona, and I forget what the other one is, but any but anyway, she does the same thing. They kind of the service I think actually provides you with just generic images, you know, yes. for your profile. So it, it's you know, it's not actually pictures of her, but who, who I loved who, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I
0: thought it was fascinating. I was like I really liked writing at the time, so I loved being able to write these big long, like uh like erotic blogs and stuff that were totally not it wasn't necessarily something I was into at the time but like I was writing in another frame of mind and creating a character but then I, I got really tired of that and the people were <laughs> like oh you're really good at this and we know this isn't you like maybe you'd be good at doing stuff as you and I was like yeah that'd be a lot easier probably like I felt for some people being themselves isn't easier yeah but For me, being myself, for my mental health, and for just how I am, it's much easier for me to be as close to myself as possible in my um, in my work and how I portray myself.
1: It's a lot, lot less confusing, that's for sure, because you don't have to yeah. keep your identities and your backstories straight, and your, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but then I, I just went from phone to cam, from cam to I had some friends who, I mean, I really liked cam, I enjoyed it, I, it was what I did for years straight, um, it was my bread and butter as well as phone sex, and then. I uh, I had a friend I had a friend who owned a professional BDSM site, and they were like, oh yeah, you don't have to have sex with us, and basically, like you'll just do what we do at the club on a Saturday night, and you'll get paid for it, and then you'll have an awesome video of it. And I was like, oh, why wouldn't I do this? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's like, no reason for me not to do this. I'm gonna, like, it's going to be great. And it was. It was really awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. That was for uh, PainToy.com. I don't think they're shooting anymore, but it uh, was a fun fun time. I've worked for them three or four times. Mm-hmm. And um, and then after that, I worked for Insects a few times, uh, or Intersect, and then I worked for Kink.com, and I continue to work for Kink. And then I decided to stop shaving, and now I do hairy porn, and I'm super happy that I don't have to shave. And yeah. <laughs> I make, uh, I produce a lot of my own clips. I do a lot of fetish clips as well as boy-girl stuff and lots of queer stuff. Nice. My favorite stuff is any type of taboo fetish. I really love audio, um, doing ASMR and erotic audio, whether it's stuff that I've written or just stuff off the top of my head, because at heart, I'm an actor I've done, uh, throughout my entire high school and college career, I, um, studied acting. And so yes. it's just, you know, one of those things, I, I just kind of fit into a lot of different facets of this, of this world. And I'm very happy about it. So <laughs>
1: that's so amazing. Um, I also have a theater background and I, I see it. As oh, really? such, yeah. And I see it as such an asset uh for yeah, for doing different aspects of kink and super different aspects of like uh you know more performative things that you oh, yeah. you might see in like uh you know in videos making content or whatnot and even just like crafting stories um, crafting storylines, characters, uh, improv, like, in, in uh, you know, in-session scenes. Oh, like.
0: yeah, in scenes, yeah. Uh, whether it's porn or it's in, you know, uh, a face-to-face session. Like, I cannot tell you how many people just praise me over and over they're like oh my gosh you talk and you don't feel like you're you know you're very confident you don't feel like yeah. you're insecure in what you're saying and you're very very like sure of what you want to say and I'm like yeah that's because I've learned how to bullshit like it's really <laughs> yeah. really as, as funny and as sexy as it can be like I've just learned to just talk, you know, it's
1: very fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point that you bring up, just even the confidence that it gives you, like, Mm -hmm. you know, to just to learn to speak in front of people in a confident way. It's like, Oh man, that, that Mm -hmm. theater, that, you know, that, BFA, that bachelor of fuck all, really, really, uh, actually
0: helped me <laughs> a little bit. Yep. No, I love it. I, I always meet, uh, theater nerds, uh, throughout the sex work world, and it's yeah. just, it always makes me smile, and as much as I didn't really like doing the phone sex, um, where people sort of saw me as another person because I had the photos out there, yeah. um, the photos of the other people, like, yeah. in person, when I'm face-to-face with a person, or if I'm on cam, and someone wants me to role-play, like, yeah. that is where I totally thrive like if someone gives me a good and it doesn't have to be super detailed but if they give me a solid idea of what they want just a premise that's all you yeah, need yeah like I will not let them down like I am so oh my gosh it's my favorite like yeah. I will throw myself into literally any role like with so much passion if I'm being paid enough and I like you enough you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I'm the same way um I mean when I'm like when I think about like in my professional life, the things and the sessions and the kinks that I truly, truly love to do, um, role play is like the very top, and and the and the ones that I kind of have the most experience with as well. Um, I always go to role play as like my top as far as like expertise is go. Oh yeah. Because like I yeah I get the same feedback where it's just like it's very natural to me to just completely immerse yourself in a scene and in a mm-hmm. character. Uh, and, and for other people, they're just like, "How do you do that?" And I'm like, "That's a great question." Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, uh, I'm not exactly sure. Like I've always I don't know how
1: to not do that. It, for <sighs> yeah, me, that's...
0: that's something that I've always done. You're right. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So okay, so let's go back. Um, I I love this story about before you got into even just doing uh, modeling and putting your stills out on the internet I love how you asked your mother first that's kind of (laughs) that's not something you hear about it's like usually people are doing the sex work stuff first and then coming out to someone in their family about it after I'm I'm very curious what your thought process was and even just like the atmosphere of you know a sex education in your household that made you do make that move and do it first
0: um, well, I would say that my my relationship with my uh, mom is just a fairly unique one, because growing up, um, uh, she, was, she was sick most of my life, and she was home, uh, and so we spent a lot of time together, okay. and she, and also with her being sick, she had a different mentality than um, a lot of people have. Uh, when people are either close to death or have near-death experiences or are very ill, they tend to view things a little differently, um, view life a little differently. And I, something that she said to me, um, that was very, something that she's always stressed to me that was very important was that, Mm -hmm. yes, she was my parent, but really, uh, wanted, wanted to make sure that we could stay friends and be friends and, and be, you know, just normal, people to Mm -hmm. each other you know be nice to each other treat each other as humans uh, when we grow up and not as this sort of weird um you know controlling or or you know just me wanting to get away from my parents completely like most people do as well like she because of like I said just her not really knowing uh she had issues with several different types of cancer and other stuff where her not really knowing where her life was going to go how how long she was going to be around. It was just really important to her to have a strong bond. And what that meant was her allowing me to be my own person and to be supportive of my choices, you know, as long as they were safe yeah. and healthy. And like I said, her being in uh, being a sex worker in the early nineties, um, I, uh, and, uh, I eventually, I found this out when I was somewhat younger, as you do, you find things out about your parents, and <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't super explicit, I just, I knew my mom had a nighttime job, I knew she danced, you know, it okay. wasn't anything insane, uh, and, you know, later on, when I was old enough, I found out what that meant, I knew what strippers were, they're fairly common in our society, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: and so, it's just one of those things where I, we were close, I knew that she supported me in my decisions, you know, as a person, I was 18. I wasn't, it wasn't anything that was unhealthy. She was like, oh yeah, I know that like, you know, you can go and take pictures and feel really good about yourself, and, you know, when I started doing porn and other things, she was like, oh, yeah, I know you're gonna have bad days, and you're gonna come home, you're gonna feel like shit some days, but you're gonna have, like, really good days, and you're gonna make a lot of money and meet some really cool people, and, like, I would never want to keep you from doing that, like, it's an opportunity that you don't necessarily have in other parts of the society because of, uh, you know, the, what I was born into, I, you know, uh, just various different, you know, th- aspects of my life that, you know, are really things that I are out of my control, um, yeah. and so it's, it's just been, yeah, r- really most decisions in my life I talked to her about, but at that point, it was more or less like, oh, I know that my mother has done this, like, I know that she has Danced for people. I know that yeah. she worked at a club. I know that she didn't have permanent things out there, but I knew people had seen her in yeah. a state, you yeah. know, yes. <laughs> of undress. And uh, so I, I, you know, figured who better to talk to about that and the feelings behind that than a person who had gone through it. And she, you know, was very honest with me again. And she said, "Yeah, there's no reason to have any shame if you're not ashamed of it. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. really no reason." And I've carried that with myself or through my my career and with myself for a very long time now, I feel oh,
1: that is <laughs> I feel like that is such a unique story. that's so amazing. <laughs>
0: oh, thank you. Thank you for asking the question. And yeah, as far as sex education, I just um it was all very simple. It just came down to if when I asked questions, you got answers. Answered,
1: amazing. You
0: know, and if if there was something like I, oh god, there was a there was a time when, uh, Uh, there was a rumor going around school that I had a crush on a girl and everyone was teasing me and it was so awful. And like, I did have a crush on a girl, but it was another girl. (laughs) And there was just, I knew there was no way I could tell certain parts of my family, but I knew I could tell my mom and there wasn't any, she didn't treat it any differently as if I was, uh, because the same thing had happened with boys at other times in my life or whatever. And Mm -hmm. she, it was just all very, you know, positive and the same and like, Oh, these people are doing things that are wrong you know, versus I think a lot of parents go like, oh, well, if you weren't gay, these people wouldn't be doing this. Or yeah, oh, if you didn't yeah. have a crush on a girl, then you wouldn't be teased so much or whatever. It was yeah. always very, people should treat people well. There's nothing different or bad about you. You're just a person.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm wondering because that, that's, you know, kind of a first coming out, like,
0: oh, oh for sure, you know,
1: uh, did you have a similar, similarly positive experience when having this conversation with your mom about being non-binary?
0: Oh, definitely. I think um, it, my my femininity and the way that I viewed myself was something uh, I viewed myself as inferior to to what um, was expected of of women in our society um, was something that she viewed. You know, in me from a very young age, and as much as she tried to not enforce that and be a very positive influence um, with the media and and just other children and some adults um, mm-hmm. being a huge influence on that as well. There's only so much you can do, especially as a <clears throat> as a parent, yeah. and uh, and so it still was very instilled in me that I was to look at myself in a very negative way. Um, and I, so I struggled to get through a lot of that. And I feel like that was something that I had to get over first before I could actually start peeling back the layers and understanding who I was. I had to start liking myself yeah. for who I was and not trying to change myself constantly. Yeah. And so since it was something, you know, this was something that she had really seen me struggle with for so long. <clears throat> uh, it, it, it was just, it was something that was natural and made sense. And I honestly don't think I ever, I don't know if I ever actually came out, came out to her. I think I had, a i was in a relationship, uh, where I was, um, cause she, she's known about my kink stuff. She's known about everything for a long time. I was in a relationship, uh, uh, basically a DDL, uh, a DDLG relationship with, a. Mm-hmm with another non-binary person and that was just how we interacted and we would go to like little events and stuff all the time and she would know where we were going and what we were doing and <laughs> it was just it was all very sweet and you know we would he would um they would cook dinner for us and all sorts of stuff and they were they were lovely and mm. so um I think there was a there was a certain point where she realized that I was identifying with male pronouns or that I was um I guess taking on more of a masculine role in a relationship, but yeah, there was never really a, you know, we were just very close, and there's, there's never really, there wasn't really a coming out, I don't think.
1: Mm -hmm. Did you, um, even when you were first kind of doing some very early, kind of demure, uh, you know, safe-ish for work photo shoots Mm -hmm. when you were quite young, Mm -hmm. Were you indulging in kink in your personal life at that point? Like, when did your personal interest in kink kind of start to develop?
0: Well, I, oh, let's see. Well, my generation (laughs) had the internet, and that's the thing.
1: Yeah.
0: It it was, uh, from from fairly young, I realized that I uh, had, pretty eclectic taste in <laughs> pornography, let's put it that way.
1: Eclectic, <laughs> I love that, yep.
0: Yeah, and so it wasn't anything that, I was really, um, I was aware that that stuff was out there, and I was into it, whether it was a lot of the, I remember very being very fascinated by the femdom, sissy-made yeah. dynamic yeah. when I was much younger and just being like, oh, my gosh, there are men that will wear pretty clothes and will, like, <laughs> wash your dishes and rub <laughs> your feet. Like, that was as far as my brain went. Like, it was just, that's the nicest thing I've ever heard of. Oh, my God. Like, it was just, <laughs> oh, it was the best. And so it's sort of, a lot of things sprung from that as well as, um and I've mentioned this numerous times, uh, but, like, my... I also explored the erotic art section of the used bookstore in oh, my hometown I, yes, a lot, yes, yes. and I found a lot of old UK rubber magazines. Oh, um, nice. So extreme rubber became really uh, very fairly common in my, in my repertoire. All like, right. It was something yeah. that I absolutely fell in love with very early, really extreme stuff too, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I knew it was all out there, and then... After I did the few photo shoots, there was a stint of 3 to f- 3 to 4 years when I was very very vanilla okay. and in a very very normal relationship and tried kink a few times here and there and it was an utter failure because the person had like no was super super straight and had no confidence and just like hated the idea that I had done stuff with other people that I enjoyed and that they couldn't do it properly and like mm-hmm. it was just a big mess. Yeah. And so finally, when I got out of that relationship, I started exploring my kink again. And I realized that it was something that I really needed in my life. Um, But really, from like, 18 to 20, I went really hard, like really, really hard <laughs> in and like really just figured out what I loved and just threw myself into it. And then there was just a big dry spell. And then I moved to Portland and then I immediately got into a DS relationship where I was the dom and wow. we got engaged and we were like together for two and a half years.
1: Wow.
0: And like, so it's always been a part of my life. Mm -hmm. Honestly, ever since I was young, like one of the first, the first BDSM novel that I read was *Story of O*. Um, I was fascinated with it. Yeah. And it uh, just—I read, you know, Anne Rice's uh, *Sleeping Beauty Chronicles*. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, pony plays a thing—that's fucking cool. (laughs) (laughs) Humans as horses, what? (laughs) So, you know, it it was honestly just a development from a very young age, and it wasn't really because I was in odd surroundings or anything. It's just. I was a smart kid and I knew where to look for stuff. Even yeah. you know, if people would have tried to hide it. I don't know. And that's that's something I wanna mention. With all the porn blocks and everything that people have now, yeah, it just causes kids Find weirder shit that isn't porn blocked. I'm just throwing that out there, and we're like creating a whole generation of like intensely (laughs) fetishy people uh, because of these like restrictions we're putting on like regular porn. So it's that's all I'm gonna say. Anyway, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's a really
1: interesting point. I love that.
0: So okay, so at at
1: this time, you know, as kind of a young adult uh, exploring kink and even uh you know kind of jumping into a, a 24/7 like DS dynamic were you like part of a kink community at that time or uh, uh, like did you have um examples of this out in the real world that you kind of could model yourself after i
0: i read a lot i had a lot of um i had a mentor when i was younger okay. uh that really taught me a lot about BDSM and so I I read a lot I knew what a healthy BDSM relationship was I just didn't know what a healthy relationship was uh-huh. and that was, the, that was the missing key so um yeah and and so I I did have examples I knew people in real life but honestly I was in heavily like cis hetero circles okay. and I also I was very intimidated by femdoms because I saw myself as wanting to be them and not them. Mm -hmm. And I was always more comfortable being a daddy or being a dom rather than a femdom. But that just didn't fit really into the circles I ran in. It was very binary. And uh, so I really wasn't happy in the community that I found. And I really didn't find the the queer kink community that I wanted, um, until I joined the industry, until I got into professional, um, porn. Yeah. And I mean, but yeah, so I did have examples, but I was much happier when I found my way into the queer circles.
1: Okay. Amazing. So when did you start to kind of find your people then? When, when did, when was your first, uh, foray into actually like Purposefully creating content as a performer. Like you were saying, uh, camming was your first venture?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I did. I started camming and I had a lot of guys that were just like, Hey, if you know, you're good at this here, then maybe you should like try and do it professionally, mm-hmm. which is, and mostly it was because of, you know, the privileges I have being, uh, super tiny and short and white and they were just like, you could just probably make a lot of money having dudes fuck you with the big cocks. And I'm like, God damn it, you're right. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I had to, I couldn't just let that opportunity go by when they made it so <laughs> obvious. And of course uh, not. And so, yeah, I tried initially, I tried the BDSM site that was pretty popular mm-hmm. where it was like, they did everything to me, just not with their dicks. You okay, know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I figured that would be a good way to see. How I felt about it, and I felt fucking great about it, and uh, you know, decided to continue to do it, and and just you know, started hustling ever since then. But yeah, really, it was just uh, I started filming stuff on my webcam, as one does, and I did a lot of (laughs) taboo stuff because that is sort of what I that's sort of what I started specializing in over the phone because I realized that's what people wanted more of over the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, They wanted more special. Oh, go ahead.
1: What specific uh, taboos or, you know, specializations were you, did you kind of decide to focus on?
0: Well, it really, what it comes down to is like, I, I learned that uh, the only, real the way that I can make a lot of money doing phone sex was talking about taboo stuff was because uh, people can kind of get regular stuff other places and for very cheap. Yep. And so the people that want to pay a lot of money, they want a very specific service and they want to make sure you know how to supply them with that. And so I'm fine doing uh, different types of age play scenarios. Mm-hmm. I'm fine playing a younger person. I'm I definitely do a lot of, like, bathroom and toilet stuff, which a lot of people are very, like, super sensitive about. Right. Uh, um, And they are afraid to bring up to regular phone sex people. And I'm just, like, it's, we're just talking about it. It's fine. Yeah. Like, um, and, of course, everybody has limits. And I would never, ever judge anybody for having limits. I just don't have that many limits when it comes to over-the-phone stuff because I feel like a lot of people, like, people really deserve to have their fantasies fulfilled, especially if they're reaching out in such a way that isn't harmful to other people. Yeah. Of course. And so, you know, and that's just my outlook on it. And so I've, that's sort of what I've geared myself towards. And really, you know, taboo is different to everybody. I mean, I get so many people that call and they're so wound up and they're so scared and they're so nervous and they just want to suck dick for the first time. You know, and it's... And then there's some people that have no shame whatsoever, and they want to do things that like totally floor me. So. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, that's very true. The, the uh, taboo is completely dependent, you know, on what environment yeah. you grew up into, right? Yep. What Let you me, are kind yeah. of cultured to think what was wrong and what was right, you know, which is, is different all over the world.
0: Yeah, a lot of a lot of people, even just talking to a short-haired, tattooed right. person. It is a big deal. Right. It's like a big, big, big deal.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Ugh, that's amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so what we have to do at this point, I know we've barely we've barely uh, gotten through your story here. Oh no. Uh, it's so <laughs> it's so lovely. No, and I wanna um I wanna come back in the second half and continue along uh to see, you know, uh how you've blossomed into the fantastic content creator and um companion that you are today (laughs) so i'd love to do that in the second half uh but but first let's take a very quick break and then we'll be back with adult talent and sex worker mercy west let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors shall we first of all Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website oasisaqualounge.com Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bedpost Podcast. I am here uh, with, not in the same room, but over Skype, adult talent and sex worker Mercy West. Hello, hello. How are oh, you all? I, I thought we'd continue on our journey uh, in your lovely this sex work narrative of yours that we have going on. What I'm interested specifically is how and when and why you made the decision to you know, do all your kind of online type of sex work things, phone sex, to make the jump. And because it can be, it can be quite a jump to a lot of people to then move into like real life types of sex work.
0: You know, it was something that I really wrestled with for a long time. Okay. It it wasn't anything, any, a decision that, came easily to me. Um, I got started much later than a lot of people that I know did solely because I felt like I didn't have enough knowledge. I didn't, uh, to keep myself safe. Um, And I, I just didn't have enough life experience, like end of story. That's really how I felt. And, uh, and so after several years in the adult industry and interacting with so many different people from all walks of life uh, that I really respected and and really uh, just got to know on a very personal level, I uh, just slowly started to acquire the knowledge uh, of how to keep myself safe and mm-hmm. and, you know, realize that this was something that I could do, that since I wasn't aiming to be a total mainstream success when it came to porn, whether it was kink or alternative porn or mainstream or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that that wasn't necessarily going to bring me all of the uh, financial stability that I needed to keep doing what I loved, which was sex work,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, that I would I would need to find. And I, I know this. a lot of people come to this conclusion, um, and some people just talk about it, others don't. But a lot of people find that capitalizing on your fame which is just basically basically just a tool to get work for me um it's it's not anything other than that I I honestly wish it I got recognized at the grocery store early to earlier today oh my god in a not so comfortable way so it's not something that I that I necessarily like no they they didn't out me they weren't rude they they messaged me after they saw me it was it was just it's not something I'm comfortable with um necessarily but it's something I know that comes with the territory and so I try to utilize it and <laughs> exploit it as much as I can yeah, um, yeah and that means uh that really means working with people in person yeah and yeah. um <clears throat> you know it it really, I didn't really feel. I don't mean I didn't have a choice, like I was forced into it. But really, it was the it was the next step. It was the next yeah. uh, answer to how to to live my life um, comfortably yeah. and to also do what I love and to keep having fun and interesting experiences while maybe not getting as much work as I used to in uh, mainstream porn.
1: Right. Yeah. So you talk a lot about you talked a lot about um safety and keeping yourself safe. Have you even developed even more skills in that way uh today versus like when you started doing in real like IRL IRL sex work?
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's a it's a day-to-day process. It's a it's a client to client learning process. Yeah. It's um it's one of those things where you don't you don't make the same mistake twice um, you yeah. know type, type situations. Uh, I I've been very lucky and been treated very very well, um, <clears throat> but uh, how long ago but, did you start? Oh, just about a year and a half ago. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: Okay, okay, cool. Is there something specifically that you would tell yourself two years ago about safety? <sighs>
0: just even though this is something that I've always really um gone by but just listen listen to your gut even more don't don't second guess yourself at all um if you can afford not to um and uh I know that some people can't afford not to can't afford to not put themselves in in impossible you know possibly dangerous situations and so I I realize that I don't uh it's just it, yeah, it's like I said, it's something that's always been on my mind, but really just just listen to yourself that's the most important thing to do um yeah or, and if you don't feel like you can't listen to yourself and then, then fine to learn, find people who you know you can learn from and try to fine tune those uh those skills. skills,
1: yeah, for sure because i've been I've been doing uh real life sex work for just under a year now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still I'm still very much developing those skills, right? Because yeah. you know intellectual I'm sure as you have found as well intellectualizing, you know, have strong boundaries and uh-huh. listen to your gut and all those same, all those things. Like it's great in theory, but um, you know doesn't always translate to doing it in practice, right? Um, yes.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it's interesting, yeah. I had a, a conversation with a fellow sex worker who's kind of like in the massage um like in a salon works in a salon so and we kind of just it, it's interesting uh, with um how your how you do really have to trust your gut because what we kind of were discussing was it's not exactly like what is happening but how you feel about what is happening And that's Mm -hmm. more about your intuition, right? Because maybe I would let another client do something similar to this, like, say, touching you in a certain way. Yep. However, it's like, it's what you feel the intention of that action is, right? Mm -hmm. And it's how they're doing that thing, like, you know, for instance, how they're touching you. Um, it can be, uh, yeah, something that has ulterior motives is, um, somebody that is trying to manipulate you. It could have all sorts of intentions, you know, doing the exact same thing. So what you have to, what I'm kind of learning and what we were talking about the other day was like that your limits and boundaries, uh, they're, they're more so about how you feel, like how you're being made to feel about whatever's happening and less about the actual action.
0: Yeah, and you're, you're very, uh, you're very right. And when it comes down to um, full service sex workers, uh, as well, uh, you know, really, it's so society, society views us in such a different. And I'm including myself in that um, category. But society uh, really just views us in such an awful and terrible and disposable way that it just it really just amps up the danger so much. And, And when I say full service, it really does mean a different thing to each provider that claims that, uh, Mm -hmm. that label. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, but people, and I mean, it comes down to anyone that, that they feel has, has sex outside the bounds of their, um, you know, outside of their belief or their morality, or they're not giving it to them in the way that they want. And it's just, yeah, it just becomes so complicated and muddled and people's messed up morals and, yeah, it's just weird. <laughs> yes, yes, it's truly It becomes very hard. And uh, and yeah, I think for me, it's been a little easier. I think just because, um, like I mentioned before, being small, being white, yeah. um, I have a, a small amount of college education. Like, um, so people view me in a certain way. And also, I tend to specialize in spending more time with people that have a time with with people that have very specific needs. They're not necessarily just looking to have. Um, someone on their arm to bring to a party or they're not necessarily looking to um, hang out with a Playboy model. Mm -hmm. They're looking to be understood um, to maybe expose themselves a little and talk about something or do something that they've never done before Mm -hmm. um, and really explore who they are. And so I I find myself very lucky in the way that I've marketed myself that, um, Mm -hmm. that I just get the most unique and interesting and really like, just honest people that really want to find out more about themselves and me as well. And that's just so fascinating.
1: Yeah, because um, I always, you know, I'm looking through your Twitter feed and whatnot today. Is it more, um, it's more characteristic of uh, sessions that you have with your in-person sex work stuff that they're like longer appointments. So you'll spend, you know, say go out for dinner or something beforehand. And then is that kind of more characteristic of the type of clients that see you rather than book for you for an hour, you know, and then they're in and then they're out. It's more in depth than that.
0: Yes, I'd I'd say so. I'd say some of the more, um, some of the examples I can give are, uh, I've gone out with uh, trans women who are maybe going out in public for the first time as themselves or after a surgery, um, and don't want to feel the pressure of also dating a new person and bringing a new person into their, into their world, they, they would rather just have someone that they knew was comfortable going out with them, being seen with them and going home with them. That's amazing. And, um, so, you know, that's one example or just maybe someone that's very, very much into feet, but has been, was in a, you know, was married for 10 years and was completely shamed about it. And now can't even imagine just meeting up with someone for an hour and yeah. Sniffing their feet and then leaving, like they 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 want to go to dinner. They want to yeah. hang out. They want to talk about why they have had such a hard time dealing with this fetish. They want me to like sit and talk with them about it and tell them my experience and really make them comfortable because me as a fetishist, like I'm kind of into everything. Like yeah, if someone me can, too. If someone can explain to me why something is like super like if something that's intensely hot or beautiful to them like yeah I can, I can see that I have no trouble seeing that and uh it's it makes stuff so fun like so much fun and so there are varying varying scenarios that people just aren't you know it's it's not set up for the traditional meet and you know get it over with or whatever and also I can t- I tend to I do a lot of um uh, dom sessions, but I tend to be a little more intimate and tend to spend more time with people. And there could be cuddling, or there could be dinner, and there could be things that you wouldn't necessarily expect from uh, a regular, you know, uh, I would say femdom looking through the ads.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. I I I do like to pride myself on that as well, being like not not the femdom that we all think of in our heads when we think of dominatrix. You know what I mean? Like I really do pride myself on being. You know, sensual, sweet, fun, funny, like, Uh you know, all those things that we don't necessarily think of when we think femdom, right? I am a cis woman, but, um, you know, in all the ways we're supposed to be, you know, very strict and unforgiving and mean, quite frankly, (laughs) you know, I'm like, (laughs) I'm the opposite of all that. And I, and I'm the opposite of all that in my doming as well, unless it's very specifically requested, so.
0: Right. And my, my brain totally broke the first time I figured out that I could wear whatever the fuck I wanted and still beat the shit out of someone. Like I was like, Oh my God, I can wear my onesie and be like sucking on my pacifier and have a huge bondage collar on, but like make this dude's ass bright red and have him like over a spanking bench crying and everyone will still have the same fucking respect for me. Like, this is great. Like, I love it. And I just have the more comfortable you are the more confident you become. And you know, who's, who's going to fuck with me in that
1: scenario? Totally. No one. Oh my God. Are you finding the same thing? Like, so, you know, now, now you're coming out with like lots of beautiful content, um, that I'm seeing on your Twitter and whatnot and on your website, like so many different fetishes and so many, it it just looks absolutely gorgeous. Are you finding, uh, the the same experience with you being, you know, with you being a non-binary person, um, Who's not, you know, the quote-unquote porn star look, you know that the the big boobs, the oh yeah, the fake orgasms, the tan skin, the oh. you know being super tall and uh, model-esque and an ultra ultra femme, right? Mm-hmm.
0: So don't get me wrong, I love all those things. But oh, I'm me not too. Really yeah. Like any of those? Things. Uh, yeah, I
1: also <laughs> same same same. So, are you? What's your experience with like creating content from that like kind of non-binary lens? Is it different? Do you think from like that that other type of porn star that we're so used to seeing in porn?
0: What people like to point out is my um, my hardcore gangbang that I did with uh, <laughs> with kink and where I played the. I guess I was cross-dressing a basketball player who was undercover to bust the team for steroids and they oh found goodness. out I had a vagina and then all had sex with me and it was great. Um, <laughs> but I have a lot of people point to that and be like, Oh my gosh, it's, it was so queer on such a straight site. Like it's hardcore dang bang. Like it's yeah. a bunch of dicks and a vagina and that, that's what the site is. But like I've managed to queer it up also because thank goodness I had the other great director, um, Madeline Marlowe, who just like, let me like totally ran wild with my, with my idea and, you know, let me be really super gay for this. And it was wonderful. Um, And uh, so I get to do things like that occasionally when people, you know, I get good directors that know what I'm good at and know that I can be myself and also deliver what they want. Um, But As far as my own content, I mean, honestly, you know, I wish it was, I wish it was different, but the stuff that sells the most is me, you know, when I'm the most femme, when I, you know, wear dresses or wear makeup and get fucked by a dude. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, But I, you know, since that isn't the only way that I make my, uh, uh, you know, the only thing that I market for, the only way that I, I make an income, I, I still I'm able to make tons of stuff that I do like and that I do love and not that I don't like being femme it's just I I get tired when guys only want like all the custom videos are like will you be a little girl for me and then like you know choke on a big dick like all right cool but that's like a fifth one this week and I really (laughs) really would love to do something for like a queer person or something you know yeah Um, yeah And so that can, that can get to me a little bit, not that I don't love doing those other things, but it's just, you know, so I get to, I I make, I mean, I have everybody tell me like, if you make one kind of video, then people will know to come to you for that one kind of video and they'll buy it. And I'm like, I fucking can't, like, I love everything. Like I need to make everything. Like I, there's no way I tried to make, I tried to make a store of one thing that I loved, which was diapers and like. I just couldn't do it. I was like, "This is so boring. I'm only making diaper stuff, and I hate it. And I love diapers. it's yes. Like I, I need to like make a diaper clip, a foot clip, a dom clip, and like a butthole clip all yeah. in one setting. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't just make diaper stuff and sell diaper stuff. Like even though it would make <laughs> me more money, it's just not fun for me. Like, yeah. And I love the access. I love the like flexibility of being able to. work with like everyone like people are like oh well are you okay making this kind of video like fuck yeah yeah Yeah. we're as long as we're safe I'm down like that's great yeah and people just I really wanted to find a fan base that liked me for me and not necessarily from my butt or my this or my that you know that I really really emphasized and only made butt clips like I just want them to like what I make yeah you know
1: (laughs) yeah do you ever have to um so if you have if you are having, like, a heavy uh, femme week where people are requesting a lot of videos uh, where you have to be super femme are you ever having to, like, you know, do your own balancing act, like, even it out in your personal life? It's like, okay, well, I will just be straight-up boy, like, as much as I possibly can in my personal life this week?
0: Um, <clears throat> sorry, I was squeaky. Um, sometimes, <laughs> it just depends. I mean, it doesn't really bother me. It's just not... Uh, I've just become so comfortable making content as myself since I've started doing it more over the past year and a half yeah. that it seems like such a production and such a show to be that way. And right. I, I was really conditioned to be super femme from phone sex um, for a long time too. And so it's taken me a while to <clears throat> to actually sort of relax out of that. And um, and so eh, I don't know if I really do that. I yeah. um, I think I just... I just might be too tired to, like, pretend (laughs) pretend to be somebody else. Like, that's really it. You know, like, oh, God, like, dresses make me uncomfortable, and I can't not show that on my face sometimes. not uncomfortable, like, I like wearing them sometimes. It's just, like, I don't feel super sexy in them whatever. Yeah. Like it's, you know, fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if I, but it, but I might not be in the mood to shoot something. I don't feel very sexy. And you know, of course, sometimes I'm just like hustle and make whatever. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Cause I find why I ask is cause I find for myself, if I have like a really heavy doming week where I'm like having to be oh. in a, in a really dommy headspace, um, Any you know, in a performative way, sometimes uh, I just like crave subbing so bad and like just it, I, I'm longing to be in a headspace where I can actually let go and relax. And um, because like I, w- I would kind of more call myself um, like I'm a switch, but like I'd, I'd say I'm a more of a bottom lean me bottom leaning switch, really. So mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I'm just like, oh, can I just like do can I just like let go please uh mm-hmm. a one time this week uh oh, that would yeah. be great I totally
0: get that
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> I get that and I think more that more so happens with my in-person sessions where yeah. I think there are certain clients that I'll get that really expect and project that feminine energy from me and on me yeah. and I I don't feel it and sometimes it can just feel very empty and disingenuous when someone's like ah oh, you are the epitome of female beauty and I'm just like cool dude thanks <laughs> like it that has no effect on me whatsoever like it's not <laughs> something I've ever felt and I've actually like worked the past like five years of my life to like realize that it's okay to not feel anything about that yeah. but it's not something I can say to someone and it doesn't really bother me it, it's or I can say to someone in that moment um yeah but it's it's okay it's fine it's just there may be days where due to my mental health and my anxiety that I may have be less inclined to be able to actually behave in such a way that yeah or be, behave the way that they want me to or be the be the girl that they want me to
1: <laughs> yeah for sure um and you find yourself with your content like that you're able to authentically express yourself like for the most part like do I guess I can. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I know probably in your own content, it's obviously easier because you're, you're the curator, you're the director, you're the everything. But I imagine, um, like, if you go into a scenario where there are other, other performers involved, like, mm-hmm. are people pretty, pretty cool with collaborating with, you know, what you uniquely bring to the table, like the director and the other performers and whatnot?
0: Oh sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, though, I'll say I'm a bit of a chameleon. I don't really expect other people to like pick up what I'm laying down because <laughs> most people haven't throughout my entire life. So I'm yeah. I'm kind of a like you know a jack of all trades. Like I've been on various different types of porn sets. I've been in, on various types of uh, you know social interactions with people on dates and whatnot. And you yeah. know it's just uh, you know I, I uh, it's the acting you know, um, so I I honestly, like, I couldn't, when I work on a queer set, like, I've done two orgies now, I did a pansexual orgy, and then just, like, a queer orgy, uh, uh, one in Portland, one in Vegas, and, like, uh, on camera, and Mm. they were fucking awesome, and everybody wanted to fuck everyone, and everyone was in a good mood, and nothing bad happened, and just, it was just (laughs) great, everyone was drama-free, and beautiful, and lovely, and horny, and, um, (laughs) and so, when shit like that happens, like, Yeah, people are are down. Like, I'll be like, hey, and then I'm going to put my strap on, on, and then I'm going to fuck them in the ass. And then they're totally going to, like, let me choke on their dick. And people were like, yeah, let's make this super gay. You know, like, I help make things cool versus like in the, in the somewhat straight situation where I'm playing the tiny little spinner that gets like, you know, skewered on a big dick. Yeah. I, that's, that's, I'm just going to kind of be quiet and do what they want me to do. You know, not in the like, you know, I, don't know I shouldn't say anything way, but just like, yeah, whatever. This isn't really like not being myself, but it's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Fun. It's, it's fun to have like a pretty lady do my makeup and to like fuck famous male porn stars. And like, it's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Even a bad day is still okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fucking okay, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I much prefer like the orgy sets that I described, or like doing you know fetish content with another um, queer performer. Like it's, oh, it's so much fun when it's good. It's fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah. You still love it after like this is a long story of yours. Like you've you've it seems like you've gotten in the industry like for the majority of your life essentially. Like, is do you still absolutely love it?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think if I just did porn or I just did in real life stuff or I just did phone, I would love it. But like, oh, oh, yeah. it's you know I I think there's so many ways so many things this is that's really what I try to explain to people when they pull the bullshit of like well you can only do it for so long right and I'm like well actually people always fucking want porn and there's always going to be a way for people to pay money for porn and as much as like it's changing just like the music industry did with streaming and, and you know and internet stuff like fuck porn's going the same way it's just a bit slower and there's always going to be able to you're always going to be able to make money from it especially if you're independent because people are leaning more towards you know supporting independent performers and creators rather than giving their money to Playboy or kink and so um <clears throat> I think it's really it's really great and there's so many you know I can be behind the camera in front of the camera I could do all sorts of stuff so it's just uh, I have so many options Then i fucking love it yeah that's I don't
1: amazing I don't
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily like love some of the politics and some of the issues in the industry and I do my best to help to work to change those things yeah and that's also part of me is like very glad that I don't do that much mainstream work and mostly stick to like hairy fetish stuff when it comes to the big sites that i do now and i work for kink.com occasionally which is always really fun and i hopefully will work for crash Bad series very soon
1: oh that'd be great wow yeah. oh, that company's <laughs> fucking fantastic yeah
0: yeah yeah we've been in touch for a long time it's just we have to find the right uh, right person they want me to work with and get me out there but cool I'm so excited. <laughs> oh,
1: that's so amazing! Thank you so much, Mercy. We we ought to be wrapping up at this point, but I would love for you to tell everybody where we can find you, purchase your things, support you, all that fun, amazing stuff. <clears throat>
0: uh, yeah, I'm I'm most uh, active on Twitter, and that's gonna be at or uh, it's gonna be at underscore mercy west underscore. Mm-hmm. Um, I just opened up my. OnlyFans, fans as well as my avian stars uh network uh page um and you can find both of those under mercy west um and uh mercy-west.com is my website you can purchase videos and find links to all of my other purchas- purchasable content all the content i have on other sites and you can find ways to contact me for in person sessions
1: Amazing! Uh, thank you so much, Mercy, for talking with me today. It's been such a pleasure hearing your story.
0: Of course, thank you for having me. It was wonderful.
1: Uh, always, and thank you to everyone who's been listening here today. Alrighty, and for all you GTA listeners, if you want to see Bedpost, the variety stage show that happens the third Friday of every month at the Social Capital Theater at eight p.m. This month, we have two shows, one happening October 18th, as per usual, and then a fun, special Halloween show, Halloween night. That is Thursday, October the 31st, at Club M4. should be really, really fun. Uh, for following all our social media, you can do that at the Bedpost Podcast on Instagram, at Bedpost Erotica on Facebook, our website, bedpost.ca, or if you want to email me for any reason pertaining to the show, you can do so at thebedpostsexshow the at gmail.com. If you want to follow my pro-doming social media, that is at theladypim1, both on Instagram and Twitter. Or you can go over to my website, ladypim.com. Once again, I'm going to direct you to our Patreon page. We are at patreon.com slash thebedpostshow. And lastly, a huge thank you to Stephanie Copeland, who composes and performs all the original music you're hearing on the podcast. One big last thank you to our lovely guest, Mercy West. And thank you, everyone, who has been listening here today. We will be back in the studio with another fantastic guest next week talking about sex and sexuality. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye.